Are you in Luke chapter 9? Say, I'm there, Pastor. Amen. The Jesus journey. And let me just give you a quick review. We've been talking the last three weeks about uh, really a lot from the book of Matthew and other places. But I think there's at least five places in Matthew where Jesus said to someone, follow me. Everyone say, follow me. And we've learned some things about the, the call to follow Christ. And we looked at those five passages in Matthew and we found a common thread, a common denominator among all of them. And there were different, you know, there's Matthew the tax collector, there was Simon and Andrew, James and John, uh, there was the, the rich young ruler and another disciple, and then all the disciples. And as we looked at all five of them, five of them, we realized all of them had a common denominator. If you're going to follow Jesus, there's going to be a sacrifice. Everyone say a sacrifice. But then we realize that the sacrifice that we give in order to follow Jesus 24-7 is certainly worth the effort. Because how many of you know, if you sow, you reap great rewards. If you give, and, and what did Jesus say? If you give, it'll be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So whatever we have to sacrifice, it's certainly worth what we gain back from following Jesus 24-7. And that's really the purpose of God for our life. We're not here to take up space. We're not here just to raise the kids. Uh, and listen, if, if you're raising the kids without following Jesus, Lord help your kids. Everybody say, Lord help our kids. Because they need mamas and daddies who are following Jesus 24-7. And so that's been the theme of what we've been talking about. And if you've missed any, you can go back into our archive and get caught up but today I want to look at something at, from Luke chapter 9 where Jesus sent his 12 disciples uh, that we later called apostles into the harvest field. He sent them on a journey of evangelistic effort. And we're going to glean some things from this uh, that all of us need to know on our journey that God has us on uh, here in, in this life. Uh, Luke chapter 9, follow along with me. I'm going to read all the way through, gosh, to verse 17. So you plug in and listen up carefully. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said to them, take nothing for the journey. Everyone say, take nothing for the journey. Neither staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics apiece. In other words, just go with the clothes on your back. And he went on to say, whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And whoever will not receive you when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet as a testimony against them. Uh, so they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard of all that was done by him, and he was perplexed because it was said by some that John had risen from the dead, and by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the old prophets had arisen. Herod said, John I have beheaded, but who is this whom I hear such things? So he sought to see him. And the apostles, when they had returned, told him or told Jesus all that they had done. And he took them and went aside privately into a deserted place, but place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. But when the multitudes knew it, they followed him and he received them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who had need of healing. And when the day began to wear away, the twelve came and said to him, send the multitude away that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions for we are in a deserted place here. But he said to them, this is interesting, 
you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. Then he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. Just a little pause. If there are 5,000 men, probably close to 10,000, maybe more people in this gathering of, 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 of folks to hear Jesus out in, as they called, the deserted place. And they did so and made them all sit down. And he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them, and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. And so they all ate and were filled, and twelve baskets of leftover fragments were taken up by them. Father, thank you for this message of the Word of God today. Let us glean from it and learn from it, and be able to follow you 24-7 with the resources that you have for us to accomplish your kingdom task. In Jesus' name, and everybody said one more amen. This morning, what I want to look at from Luke chapter 9, I want to talk about packing for the journey. How many of you know when you go on a journey, you got to pack right? You got to, and, and you know, I've gone on long journeys around the world, and one of the secrets is packing efficiently and effectively and taking what you need to take, nothing more, but certainly nothing less. And uh, in fact, my friend David Shibley can pack for two weeks in one little carry-on suitcase. I've never seen uh, uh, such an amazing thing. He, in fact, you can get on the internet and see how he does it. It's just very efficiently. He takes exactly, he's done it enough to know, I know I need this, I know I need that, I know I don't need this, I know I can get that when I'm there. And so without having to check a bag, he's gone for two weeks. And I just go, man, that's amazing. Now, how many of you guys know that's not the case with your wives? Man, they, they, they're going to take the kitchen sink. That's just the way they are. Uh, and so uh, that's not what we're talking about today. But hey, in this journey that God has us on, we've got to pack efficiently. We've got to take what we need to accomplish His kingdom task. And interesting thing about what Jesus said in verse 3. He said, the first thing He said after He gave them power and authority. This is amazing to me. Power and authority over the devil uh, to, and to heal and cure diseases. Uh, he said, don't take anything with you. Don't pack a thing. Everybody say, don't pack a thing. Now, we're going to talk about that in a few moments and why he said what he said. But uh, what I want you to see today, and, and this, is a, this is a principle we need to learn in this Jesus journey that we have, is that is this, the Jesus journey that God has us on, it's not resourced by the temporal or physical things of this life. The fuel you need, what you need to carry in this walk with Christ. Listen, it's not the temporal things of this life. That's, and Jesus told them that. Don't take this, don't take that. Just take what you have, the clothes on your back. Because this journey I have for you to go on, it's not resourced by the tangible things of this life. Take nothing for the journey. Look at your neighbor and say, take nothing for your journey. He was telling them, this journey that I have for you is not going to be resourced by the natural or temporal things of this life. In fact, uh, turn to Matthew 6 with me. Let me show you this principle. You need to know this. Take, take a left and go to Matthew 6 at, in the Sermon on the what? The Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said a lot about, re, about the temporal things of this life. In fact, in verse 19, look what he said. He said this, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on 
where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in where neither moth nor rust destroys or where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So we see Jesus teaching to us is don't look to the temporal things of this life. And then he goes down and he gives a nine. When you look back around verse 25, Jesus gives a nine verse teaching on uh, at least nine verses on trusting God for the provisions of life. Everyone say trusting God. Look what he says. I'll just hit a little bit here. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food? Wow. He goes on to say, and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Uh, yet your Father, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? So let's pause for a second and look at somebody's self and say, you're much better than the birds. You're much better than the birds. He said, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory will not be arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so arrays the grass of the field, man, I'm reading a lot of Bible today, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into heaven. Will he uh, much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear uh, for after all these things the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knows you need these things everybody say he already knows and then a verse uh, uh, that I uh, memorized uh, when I was just a very young uh, believer but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be what added unto you he's talking about the temporal things of life therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And everybody said amen. Now, quick, we could stop and preach there for an hour or two if we wanted. But basically, what I want you to see from Matthew 6, and even in Matthew 9, where, or pardon me, Matthew 8, where Jesus told a, a, a disciple and some others, follow me. And one guy, he said, well, man, I, I'll follow you wherever you go. He said, listen, you need to understand, the Son of Man doesn't even have a place to lay his head. I don't have resources. So you, it's going to, when you follow me 24 seven, you, you're going to have to trust God for the provisions of your life because this life of following Jesus is not resourced with the temporal or physical things of this life. Now, how many of you know God gives us bread? Somebody say hallelujah. But I think Jesus was teaching us something about the journey that we're on when he told his disciples, don't take anything on this journey. But then what we look at and what we see, as we look to this story, we can glean some things that he certainly knew they needed on this journey. There are some provisions we all need to take along with us. And this morning, I'm going to give you at least six things that I see Jesus was making sure that we can learn, that we need to take with us, that we need to resource, the necessary resources. For the Jesus journey that you and I are on today. And if you leave home and you start trying to follow Jesus without these six things, I'm going to tell you, you're going to be lacking in a hurry. And so here they are. 
Number one, the first thing that I see, the first vital resource that we see that we must have, the first one is God-given friends and friendships. Look at verse uh, verse 1 of chapter 9. If you go back to Luke 9, look back at verse 1. Look what it says he did. He gathered together. Everyone say gathered together. In fact, when you look in the Gospels and you look at the, uh, and Jesus and his, and his ministry, the first thing he did as he began his ministry, he began to rally together men of friendship. And if you studied the life of Jesus, you would know that, that uh, these 12 guys were not just the staff members. They lived together. They ate together. They grew together. They hurt together. They ministered together. In fact, one of the Gospels says the first thing he, he, he said, he called them just to be with him. And when you follow Jesus, you'll find that he loved everybody, but he had a, he had a select group of close friends. And even he had the 12. They were his chosen ones, as we'll see in a few moments. But then out of the chosen ones, he had some that he, he was especially connected to, Peter, James, and John. And out of those three, it is apparent that John, the revelator, was his best friend. And what we see Jesus doing When he begins his journey and when he begins to send these out on their journey, uh, he he gathers together and and establishes God-given relationships and friends with other people who have a like heart and a like mind. And I want to encourage you in something in your life. Listen, everybody needs a few good, holy, ghost, spirit-filled, kingdom-minded friends. Now, I thank God for all the people that are friends with me, but I'm telling you, Beverly and I, uh, and we didn't realize uh, the, the value of what was happening in our early years, but we have established over our years of, of ministry and service some lifelong, like-minded, faithful friends. And in fact, Pastor Sonny and Susan are of, our, uh, of some of the best in the world. They are lifelong uh, friends. In fact, many of you may know that their grandson, Moses uh, was born with a heart defect. How old is he now? Three? He's three. And just a few days ago, he had another uh, big surgery. He had open heart surgery. He has stitches from here to here, and he's still in the hospital. And I didn't, I, I didn't think about this, so I'm, I wasn't prepared. But I wanted to read to you, if I can find his text this morning, what here it is. What he said, every morning he sends a group of us pastors uh, a text. And he said this, oh, that's not it. It's right there. Here he is. He said this to us. He said, let me take this time to say thank you all. He's a group of pastors that we text every morning on Sunday morning. Thank you all for your prayers for Moses. I do not know how people live in this world without the Lord and without friends of faith. Your prayers and encouragement have truly been what our family has needed. Today, there are more people who are in pain that need some good news. You have it to give th- give them. Give them the life-changing gospel. May others experience His grace like we have. Thanks for being our friends. Now, I'm telling you, that's priceless. 
And that's what friendships are for. Not only as Pastor Sonny's time, you know, I texted him the other day. I said, I, I see where Moses is getting a little better. He said, yes, but today was not good for me. He said, because when they took that tape off his chest and, and the pain the little poor thing felt, and he just, uh, just uh, unbearable almost, he said, I, I couldn't do, I could do nothing. He said, this has been a hard day for me. And so we've gathered around them. But let me tell you something. In the journey that we have, we need those kinds of friends. And if you don't have those kinds of friends, you need to begin to make those kinds of friends. They do not grow in trees. You're not going to find them down in, in the bar. You're not going to find them on, on uh, you, know, uh, you know, where you shouldn't. You're going to find them in the fellowship of the faith. Okay, people of like heart, like mind, who have a kingdom purpose and a kingdom mindset. Listen, uh, and, and, and here's the strange thing to me. Uh, people get hurt and wounded by others, and so they shut off to everybody else. Listen, that's the worst thing you could do people will hurt you and listen you may have to go through a few to find a couple read about paul the apostle at the close of his life read the last chapter of second timothy people hurt him people uh, wounded him people left him people hurt him and he said only luke is with me but thank god for luke you got to go through a few to get to a few but don't let those who hurt you keep you from those who will help you and those who you can help. And let me just say, can I just be Pastor Sam for a moment? Shame on us if we get so hurt in life that we put a big wall up and we missed opportunities to build godly relationships with others who can help us in this journey. Jesus was smart enough not to go it alone. And we need friends who will love us and care for us and who we can love and care for and tend to. And let me just say, just, hey, take heed, take warning. There are some that don't have our best interests at heart. You know, if you want to soar with the eagles, don't hang around the turkeys, for goodness sake. And you can be friendly with everybody, but you fellowship with few. You fellowship and you, and you bear your soul and you connect with those that, that have your best interest and God's best interest at heart who will, as the Bible say, as says, as iron sharpens iron. So we sharpen the countenance of a friend. Scripture says, how many of you, I've heard people say, man, I just don't have any friends. Hey, you got to show yourself friendly. Amen. And so it's hugely important. Listen, let me say, the necessary resource of your journey with Jesus is, is like-hearted friendships. And listen, some of you have developed some great friendships and, and that, that, that have a purpose, but they may not be God, the godly influence in your life. Listen, you can continue to be friendly with them, but don't let darkness wash all over you. Let the light of God wash all over them, for goodness sake. Could, could I get a better Amen. We don't run from the, hey, we don't run from the darkness. We expose it with the light of God. Amen. God-given friends. And let me just say, if friends are, are I'm going to put this in quotation. If people are leading you away from God's church and his family, they are not your friend. Because that's where the strength comes from. That's where the connection and the kingdom vision comes from. Hey, don't, don't hang around a bunch of independent, self-sufficient people. Find you some people who are connected to God and His vision and have a pastor and have a church family and who are serving in the local church and who care about lost people and who care about you. And you connect with them. Amen. 
Whew, somebody say better, amen. Beverly say, that's good preaching, honey. Thank you, dear. I don't know if anybody else would, so I'm begging it from my wife. You better pack that in your bags. I have a friend, Tom Schaefer, that I didn't realize how close of a friend I was. I may not get through my notes. I may have to cut this in half today. Tom Schaefer is a longtime friend who, who's, who's a missionary in Octoyak and is our keynote guy on the ground with Agua Resources. Most of you know that numbers of years ago, his wife, Deanna, developed some kind of dementia, and it's just a slow process. Today, she's just basically barely there, and he takes care of her 24-7, as well as do ministry hiring people, and, and we've walked with him to the best of our ability through some of that, and it's been heartbreaking. I've had a lot of close, uh, you know, heart-to-hearts with him about those kinds of things, and, and he also had knee surgery three or four times, and he was back in uh, Denison having his third or fourth knee surgery, try to get that fixed, uh, actually flew into Denison from Mexico with his wife, which to me, I don't know how on the earth he did that. It's just, just the logistics of getting her moved around. And so I planned, I was in the Metroplex, I planned on going to see him, but it didn't work out. And so I texted him and told him I, I wasn't coming. And he, he called me pastor. And I said, why are you calling me pastor? He said, well, you're about the only person who ha- can, can uh, keep me straight. And I went, hmm. I've got another level of friendship with that fella. He's looking to me as a person of influence in his life. Uh, and I realize, man, God's bringing people in and around my life who, who I can influence and who can influence me. And let me just say, you better pack these friendships up in, 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 your, in your repertoire and figure out who, who they are and begin to... And begin to Nourish them and cherish them. Pray over them. Don't reject them. Accept them because you need them. You need them. It's going to make you vulnerable. Hey, guys, isn't it right, Josh? If you want friendships, you can't be closed mind. You can't. You can't be rough and tough. Uh, you know. You you got to be open and willing and able and ready to open up. We need friends. If he who's going to have friends has to show himself friendly, amen. So that's number one. And Jesus did it. Paul did it. Uh, Simon did it. Simon Peter did it. They realized the value of God-given friendships of faith in our life. And, and I, can, I can today name people. I, I can name you a, numerous names that if I was in the deserts of, Nira, uh, or of Kenya somewhere all by myself and had some way of calling a friend, I could call five or six or seven people that their names are in this phone and I would say, I need you right now. I need you to get on a plane and come and help me. They would cancel everything they were doing. If necessary, throw out the credit card and go in debt to come help me. 
That's the kind of relationships we need. And I didn't expect to take this long in this portion. But listen. This is huge. You cannot survive in this life, especially in these last days, without, a, without being a godly friend. And let me just say to some of you, some people that have a hook in you who are not godly, you need to love them but leave them. That doesn't sound very Christian. Well, at this point in your, in your life, it may be the case. What did Jesus say? Jesus, hey, Jesus said, hey, if people don't receive you, just wipe the, wipe the dust off your feet and keep on going. What do we do? Set her out on the corner and go, they didn't like me. They don't want me. You can't do that. You got to keep moving. And we need good friends. Somebody say amen. That's first. And then secondly, that I see, and these, I'll move through a few of these a little quicker. You better pack in your journey, your Jesus journey, not only God-given friendships of faith, but number two, we see from Jesus, we've got to have some God-given supernatural power and authority and ability in our life. Look in verse 1, he said, Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He gave them supernatural power. And let me just say this to you as, as a 24-7 follower of Jesus because of the fact that you're a 24-7 follower of Jesus you have a responsibility to be filled with the Holy Ghost and receive the power of the Holy Spirit in your life not just for your sake the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit is not just to flow to you it's here to flow through you could I get a better amen and Jesus told his disciples before he ascended to the Father, he said, go to Jerusalem, Acts 1.8. And he said, you wait for the promise of the Father. And after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And if you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, let me just say, you know it. And if you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I pray you would be so uncomfortable until you fall before God, until you go to your Jerusalem and you fall down on your face and you start praying and you say, God, I can't go another day. My, my Jesus journey will come to this spot right here until you fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. And if you want me or Jim or somebody to lay hands on you we can do that but listen it comes from the inside saying i need the power of the holy ghost in my life not only to survive but thrive not just to flow to me but through me Whew. What your friends need and what your family needs is somebody that's full of the holy ghost that has the power over the devil that's what he said he gave them power and authority over the devil Everybody say God-given power. And then number three, you got to have in, the, in your pack, what you got to pack up is God-given authority. He said he gave them power and authority. Everyone say authority. It's like the police officer. This is the old illustration. I've given it to you before. When the police officer walks up, his badge represents what? His authority. He is a delegated authority. You know what Jesus said in Matthew 28 when he talked about the Great Commission? He said, all authority is given to me from heaven. 
Jesus said, I have authority from heaven, and therefore I'm giving you authority. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. He delegated to us his authority. This is what Jesus said right here. He gave us authority over the devil. You know what? You have authority over the devil. But number two, the police officer, what does he have on his hip? He has his pistole. That's his power. And that word, the Greek there for the word power is dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. How many of you know those pistoles have dynamite inside? But then also, there's authority. And when you walk out in this Jesus journey, you need to know you have authority over the devil. You don't need to run from the devil. He needs to run from you. Come on now. Are y'all with me? I said, you don't need to run from the devil. You don't need to flee. It's time that he flees from you. Because of the authority you carry in Christ. There's no demon devil in hell has authority over your life. You have delegated authority over demons. That's what he told them. The demons will not hurt you. In fact, what uh, is it Mark? He said, you can tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Why? Because you're a child of the king. You're following him 24-7. You are his delegated authority and the devil ought to tremble when you walk in the door because you have authority and you have power. You better pack that in your bag because you'll be dog meat for the devil. These are necessary resources, vitally necessary resources for your Jesus journey. Number four, you've got to take along with you and pack in your bag. God give an eternal purpose. Listen, he had these guys knowing that they had a kingdom purpose. It says he called them. Everybody say he called them. The Greek there is con, it's, it's where we get the word convocation. You've ever heard the word convocation? A holy convocation. It sounds religious, but basically what it is, it's a gathering together for a kingdom purpose. He rallied them together. They had a kingdom purpose. They had a responsibility. And then it says he sent them. Everyone say he sends us. He sent them. It's the Greek word where we get apostle, the sent ones, apostello, the sent ones. And they realized they had a, a God-given purpose in the earth. And listen, we need to embrace that reality. You're not here to take up space. You're not here to sit soaking sour. You've got a kingdom purpose. And you better take that on your journey. You can't just case sarah, sarah. you got to move out every day in every life with a sense of destiny uh, to accomplish God's kingdom purpose in the earth. Whew. People who are successful even in business are successful because they think and believe they were born with a purpose in life. Amen. Whew. It is our destiny. And he said, preach the kingdom of God. Listen, that's our ultimate kingdom purpose is to share and proclaim Jesus. We're not renting Adventure Kingdom just to make people feel good about who we are. We're written Adventure Kingdom to cast the net of harvest, to be able to ultimately share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them and cause them to be born again and transformed by the power of Almighty God. You better pack good godly friendships. You better pack God's given power and authority. And you better pack up in your bag on this Jesus journey of yours a sense of God's eternal purpose and plan for your life. You are not an accident. Everybody say, I'm not an accident. Oh, some of you didn't quite believe that. Say it out loud. I'm not an accident. I'm creation of God. I'm me, 
And I'm wonderful. See, y'all are fading off on me already. You're not sure you got to say, I'm me. And I'm wonderful. Because God don't make no junk. He doesn't make any junk. You're not an accident. You're God's eternal given Christ child. And, and guess what? Hey, you're not an accident. You have a sense of purpose and destiny. Number five, in packing for this Jesus journey, you need to pack up God-given compassionate concern for others. Look what he told them to do. He said, I want you to heal the uh, You have authority over demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom and heal the sick. Everybody say, heal the sick. Man, when, when you read that in its entirety and you really look at it, he's not talking about just <coughs> sick. He's talking people who are physically sick, yes. Spiritually sick, absolutely. Emotionally and mentally sick, absolutely. He said people are hurting all over the world. And what I need you to do in this journey is go out and love people enough to bring them the good news and bring them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for goodness sake, bring some healing balm in your journey because they're everywhere. They're sick. They're sick sin sick they've been busted broke busted and disgusted and they need somebody to walk into their life with the healing balm of Gilead and begin to heal those who are broken hearted and be my hands extended to a world that is hopelessly sin sick and and head sick and soul sick and we have the cure you better pack that in your journey love for others God loved us and we got to love others amen and then number six we better pack up a God-given faith in our heart because we the life we walk the the journey we we walk on is a is a walk of faith in fact when he said take nothing for your journey you know what he was saying he said you better trust me at every step, you got to trust me. You got to have faith. You got to trust God. In fact, throughout Scripture, uh, Jesus would always test the disciples' faith. Faith, and after he sent them out, he sent them out on this journey, uh, and and said, "Take nothing with you. You got to trust me. I want you to walk by faith and not by sight. I don't want you to be concerned about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. I want you to trust me in this journey and let me take good care of you. Because I take, uh, hey, I take care of the birds. Certainly, I can take care of you." And don't worry, as he said in Matthew, what you eat, what you drink. No, hey, they, they, I'll take care of them. I'll take care of you. In fact, what do you say, verse 33? Just seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Have faith for the physical things of this life. This journey is not going to be resourced by the physical things of this life, but, but if you'll take these things, you'll get those things. I'll give you what you need. So, there you go. What can you expect if you pack these necessary resources that we glean from Luke chapter 9? What can, you, what can you expect from the Jesus journey in your life? Well, number one, you can expect excellent success. You're going to be successful. Look in verse 6. So they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. I'm talking successful. They were successful. Did you know God wants you to be successful? 
But if you're always hung up on the temporal things of this life and you're not packing the right things for the journey, if you're packing up all the wrong stuff, you're going to not have what you need. How many of you know when you get out on the job, you got to have the right stuff? Has it ever frustrated you to need to do something and you left the right tool all the way back at the house and you can't do what you need to do because you didn't pack the right stuff? Listen, we can't get on Jesus' journey and have all the wrong stuff and expect to accomplish His kingdom business. But if we get packed up right and we get out on our journey, we will have good success. But number two, what you need to expect in your Jesus journey when you get packed up correctly and you've got packed up rightly with with friendships and power and authority and purpose and compassion and faith, you're going to get the enemy's attention. You need to expect the enemy's attention. You'll get his attention. Because it says in verse 7, Herod, hmm, who is this guy? Well, he's the guy who chopped off John the Baptist's head. He's the enemy. When you begin to get on your Jesus journey, you're going to get the enemy's attention. But guess what? You have... You have... Did y'all remember the illustration? Do I need to start over? Can I start over? Do I need to start over? You have the... And the... power. You have the... And the power. So you need to know when you get the enemy's attention. Wait, I got over all the devils. So that's taken care of. Amen. What you can expect in this journey is supernatural success, and but you're going to get the enemy's attention. Uh, but then you're going to have an earthly exam. There's going to be some exams. There's going to be a test. And here it was for the disciples. They came back on. Whoo, man! They're talking. They're having a. They're having a. What is it? When you get back, you have a. a a debriefing. They're having their debriefing, and they're. In fact, uh, you can. The, when he sends out the 70 in Luke 13, the debriefing was, they all came back going, whoo, man, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Hallelujah. Man, they're excited about success. And Jesus said, don't rejoice in this, but rejoice that your names are written down in heaven. And so they're having a debriefing. And during the debriefing, uh, the, the word got out. They were, they were in seclusion, but the word got out and thousands of people started interrupting the debriefing. The disciples got real spiritual. Because remember, they didn't have anything in their pockets, right? Jesus done told them, don't take anything with you. Whether or not they brought something home, I don't know. But there's thousands of people. It's getting late. The disciples said, Jesus, send these people away. We don't have anything to give them. Here's the test. The walk by faith test. You give them something to eat. What? Me? I don't have anything to give. All we've got is five loaves and two fishes. Let me just say, how many of you know this lesson? It's not what you don't have, it's what you do have. Oh, I've heard this a lot. Oh, when I do this and when I get this preacher, when the Lord blesses me, uh, then I'm going to really be a blessing to the church. You know, I got uh, uh, my ships coming in. Let me tell you something. If you don't give him what you do have, you'll never get what you don't have. He'll never bless you if you hold on and hold back. But if you'll give him what you do have, he can give you what he has. And that's supernatural provision. We don't have, all we have is this. 
Well, give it to me. And you know the story. He blessed it and he broke it. And he handed it down and it was very strategic. And there was supernatural supply. What will you get on this? What can you expect? You can expect excellent success. You can get the enemy's attention for sure. You're going to get an earthly exam. He's going to test you on whether you're packed efficiently and packed rightly. And some of us are in the middle of a test right now. And we need to trust him in every area of our life. Because ultimately, here's what you'll get if you pack correctly. You're going to get a supernatural excess in your life. Not just enough but more than enough. Because what happened? They had 12 baskets left over from five loaves and two fish. And see, Jesus will take care of our earthly provisions. I just see the disciples when they're packing up and they're putting us in the baskets. I'm just curious where the baskets came from. Empty baskets, maybe. Who knows? They they didn't take anything with them, so I guess the, the crowd had it. They had 12 baskets. I can just see Peter, James, and they're all going, well, bless God, hallelujah. I'm packing up now, bless God. I've got an excess. He'll take care of you. Look at your neighbor and say, he'll take care of us. You can expect success, and you can expect opposition, and you can expect, expect there to be a test. But if you pass the test, there will be excess in your life. God will give you more than enough. Amen. The Jesus journey. And as we close today, here's what you and I have to accomplish in our life. We've got to pack correctly. We've got to look at our bags. The other morning I left really early to go on a trip to meet some people to help us with Agua and I got about, and I needed my wallet desperately, not only because I had my driver's license in it, but had resources that I had to take care of the people I was meeting. And, and I, I got about a third of the way there, and I couldn't find my wallet in the car. And I, oh, Lord, this is terrible. I did it all. I thought I had it all figured out. I don't have my wallet. And finally, I reached over into my boot sitting there on the cross, and I oh, poured it out. There's my wallet. Hallelujah. I'm not as dumb as I thought I was. But we got to pack rightly. We got to carry what we need. And let me just say, some of us, you've been storing up all the wrong stuff. And it's just weighing you down. Hello. Just weighing you down. Some things you got to let go of. Might be some old friends that not doing you right. Doesn't mean you're ugly and crude. You love them. Some of you, some of the best things you can do, just say, thanks, but I'm, I'm going this way now. If you'd like to go with me, you certainly may, but this is the way I'm headed in my life. Not everybody's going to go on the journey with you. The rich young ruler went away sorrowful because he had much possessions. Not everybody's going to go with you. And not certainly everybody's going to be there with you when you go. Paul said, only Luke is with me. But thank God for Luke. The physician. Listen. If you only have one friend at the close of your life, it'd be good to have a Holy Ghost Spirit-filled doctor in your camp. And so today as we close this service, 
I want you to look at the bag. I want you to look at your life. Have you focused all your attention on the temporal things? Listen, there's nothing wrong with a good, hard-working man or woman who's blessed with resources. I'm not talking about, you know, if you don't work, you don't eat, the Scripture says. I'm, so don't take what, what I have out of context and say, Pastor doesn't want me to be, be prosperous and be a blessing to my family. That's not what I'm saying. I'm asking you, what are you packing in your bag? What is of importance to you? Jesus said, if you're laying up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, you don't do that. You lay up treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves cannot break and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's what I'm talking about. So let's stand together today. And I believe today you're big enough, smart enough, wise enough to look into your life, look into your journey and say, what am I trying to drag along that I need to give up? Remember, the disciples all gave up things. They all sacrificed. There, will, there is a sacrifice, but the rewards are eternal. Let's bow our head before the Lord. If you're here today and you've never really made a commitment to Christ, it's just a hair afternoon and you might be thinking about lunch, but let me tell you something, your lunch won't satisfy if you don't know Jesus. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, you've never really begun to follow Him, I want to pray for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just for a moment, if you're hearing say, Pastor, today I want to give my life to Christ. I want to know for sure that he lives in my heart and that I am his and he is mine. If that's you, wherever you are, just lift your hand wherever you are and wave it at me until I see anyone here. If you're here today and you know you've given your life to Christ, but you know you're, you're not on the right track in your life. You know that you're, you're on your journey. You're trying to get Jesus to follow you. When he said, you follow me, and you're trying to get him to follow you. I know there's somebody here I'm talking to today. You've been trying to get Jesus to bless your will. And you're just finding yourself frustrated. And today you realize, I'm not on his journey. I've been on my journey trying to get him to follow me. If that's you, lift your hand wherever you are. And I won't embarrass you. Just lift it and wave it at me. And I'm going to pray for you. Anybody else? I see hands going up all over this room. Wave it at me and then lay it down. There you go. That's fine. Let's pray together, especially those that lifted their hand. Let's all agree together out loud with one another. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for what you've done for me. For paying for my sin on, your, on the cross. For dying for me. And I thank you that you rose again so I can have new life. I believe what you've done for me. And I put my trust in you. Forgive me, Lord, of any sin I may have committed. Or any sin that I've omitted. Anything I've omitted in my life. Forgive me. I give my life to you. I will serve you all the days of my life. I will follow you to the best of my ability 24-7 in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Now this week, you have the responsibility to apply what I just shared with you. And I want to encourage you, don't walk out of here and... and and, and stump your toe and go, eh, what was that? And just get right back on your journey.
Listen, you know what repentance means? Well, it means I get on the altar and I weep and cry and I'm sorry for what I did and I'm just so sad that I messed up and I feel so embarrassed. And that's not really repentance. That may happen, but it's born out of a revelation of who Jesus is and a revelation that you've been going in the wrong direction. And repent means to turn away from the way you're going and change direction and begin to go in the right direction. So I want to encourage you today, if you've been trying to get Jesus to follow you, let me just say, he will not do that. But you can repent and say, Jesus, I'm so sorry. I've been trying to get you to follow me. And I know that's frustrated you because you're, you love me and I'm going to start following you. And I'm going to take what I need in this journey. I'm going to lay down everything I don't need, everything that's got me hung up and stumbling around. I'm going to begin to follow you. And everybody said amen. Let's give the word of God a great big God bless you. Thank God for your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Amen. If you're here today and you're searching for a church home at the close of this service, come on up here, Beverly. At the close of this service, Jim and Trish will be right over here uh, and they will meet you. If you, have prayer, if you have a prayer need for anything, they will be there. But if you believe God is adding you to this church, something on the inside of you said, oh, I think I've heard the voice within the voice. I think that old bow-legged preacher is my pastor. And this is my church home. Then you meet them right over there at that table and you just do this. Say, I, I think we've got the divine okie-dokie. God's adding people to our church uh, almost uh, weekly and so you could help keep that record going if you believe God. In fact, if you're here today, I'm praying for you that God would speak to you about the direction for your life as far as a church family. Everybody love the Lord. Say amen.